Hi, I'm Adam Phillips, and I love comics. Sure, I love superhero comics, but I also love comics that are funny, or romantic, or educational, or even kind of filthy. Some have been around for decades, but I have a special place in my heart for the ones that came and went in the blink of an eye. We call them one-shots, and some of them you may have heard of, while others might make you ask, why? This is One-Shot Wonders. In the late 1960s, children's television programming was about to undergo some drastic changes. Parents' organizations were protesting violence in children's cartoons, such as Space Ghost and The Herculoids, not to mention reruns of old cartoons starring Bugs Bunny, Mighty Mouse, or Popeye. In the wake of that, two things happened. One was the launch of children's educational television, in Sesame Street on public broadcasting networks. And if you haven't seen it yet, I really recommend watching Street Gang, a documentary about the development of Sesame Street that's currently running on HBO Max. The other direction was on network television with new cartoons that were sillier, more fast-paced and fun, and music-driven, like The Archies and Scooby-Doo, Where Are You? The Archies of course, was derived from the very successful line of comic books that had been running since the 1940s. But Scooby-Doo was a whole new thing, inspired to some degree by the many loves of Dobie Gillis. Scooby was a huge success and would run for many years in different iterations, on and off, on different networks. And, in, and of course, that success trickled down to comic books. At the same time, both animators and comic book creators were looking to ride the coattails of Scooby's success with their own creations. Hanna-Barbera, the studio behind Scooby-Doo, came up with a number of similar but not quite the same cartoon shows like The Hair Bear Bunch or Butch Cassidy that didn't last very long. In comic books, we got an even stranger assortment of Scooby wannabes. The one I want to talk about today is called Zodi the Mod Rob. It was published in April 1970, written by Don Christensen, with art by Roger Armstrong. It's a one-shot, the kind I love. And I found it in the most peculiar of ways. When I was a kid, I used to go to comic shops and buy new comics, but also look for back issues, and I had a want list as long as your arm of missing issues of Spider-Man, Iron Man, The Defenders, you name it, that I wanted to fill in to complete my collection. But as I got older, I started to look for things that were a little more off the beaten path. A few months ago, I was in a comic shop in Columbus, Ohio, World's Greatest Comics, and I decided just for fun to look through their copious back-issue bins and see what was at the very end. And sure enough, I found Zodi, the Mod Rob, a comic I had never heard of before. It was published by Western Publishing under their Gold Key imprint, and it is drawn in a style that definitely resembles Hanna-Barbera cartooning. And the story is titled, From the Zodiac Comes, Zodi, the Mod Rob. But how do we meet Zodi? Well, we start in the newspaper offices at a local high school, Tinker High, 
where Corby Kane, your sensational, erudite, articulate, charming, and modest editor-in-chief, is about to assign a young man his first real story. The kid's name is Randy Martin, and for the most part, he's been cleaning up around the journalism offices because Corby doesn't really have faith in him to be much of a writer. But he decides to give the kid a break and asks him to write a feature on a professor who's going to be at the school next week for an assembly. His name is Ipsoff Thacto. That's right, Ipsoff Acto. And he lives nearby. So Randy is going to take off and go see the professor. The professor is in a home laboratory nearby where he's in the middle of an experiment with a helmet that is tuned to the power of the astrological signs. He's trying to figure out which sign of the zodiac is his because the professor explains he's a foundling. He doesn't know his actual birthday. So he's going through each sign of the, of the horoscope one by one to figure out what he is. The professor believes in the power of the zodiac and says that he can use it to do any number of things. He puts the helmet on Randy and says that the power of the Zodiac will tune into the helmet and give him extra intelligence. It doesn't seem to be working, but Randy holds onto the helmet because he believes that maybe with more time it'll have some effect. He stops by a wig shop and gets a wig to put over his head because kids are making fun of him for wearing a bizarre-looking metal helmet. The wig isn't much of an improvement. The helmet does seem to be having some kind of an effect, though, because Randy is getting more and more exhausted from wandering around town, and he decides to stop in a park and take a nap under a tree. When he falls asleep, night falls as well, and rays of light beam down from the stars with the power of the Zodiac. Suddenly, he wakes up and realizes that he forgot his date with his girlfriend, Sharon. He rushes off to the theater, just in time for the movie to end, finds Sharon, and then explains that even though he's interrupting the movie, it won't matter because the movie's about to get interrupted by the film breaking. The theater manager is instead going to show a travelogue on Upper Sandusky. Sure enough, moments later, that's exactly what happens. Sharon and Randy leave the theater, and... Sharon starts asking questions about what's happening and why is this? Why does he seem to know the, what's going to happen next? And Randy says he will explain as soon as he turns in a fire alarm. Sharon says there's no fire, but Randy says there will be in a minute. And of course, fire engines show up. And just as they get there, somebody's leaning out a window saying, Good heavens, my curtains, they're on fire. So Randy is hailed as a hero for turning in the fire alarm before the fire even happened. It's suspicious, but nobody seems to think so. There's a lot of sort of what passes for hip lingo in this comic book. For example, at Sharon's doorstep, Randy says, you know, that he just knew what was going to happen, and now I know you're kind of tuned up for this. And he kisses her goodnight. And she says, wow, you do know everything, don't you? The next day... Randy is back in school where he's talking to Mr. Medley in the shop class and he explains, he's still wearing the helmet by the way, and the wig. He explains that he's feeling like he wants to build a robot. So within a few hours he has built a rudimentary robot who has arms and legs and a cylindrical head 
but it doesn't have the power to run. So Randy decides to put his metal cap on the robot and then the wig on top of that. He leaves school and um, the star's rays shine in on the robot so that when he gets there in the morning, he sees the janitor, Mr. Yunkle, having a, a panic because there's a robot running around in there, some kind of a monster. And it turns out, yes, the robot has come to life. And he's, the robot says, I'm Zodi from the Zodiac. I'm really tuned in, man. Yeah, I'm with it. Randy takes the helmet off the robot and it shuts down for a moment, but then he puts it back on a little later where Zodi says to Mr. Medley that he's going to take over teaching the shop class, which is just the first of many times that Zodi says he's ready to take, take on anything and everything that he can think of around him. Randy ducks into the journalism office and Corby asks for his interview with Professor Acto, but Randy says that he's gotten sidetracked onto a different story. And what's that story? Well, Zodi comes in after Randy and explains, It's me, you cubes! Zodi from the Zodiac. My horoscope says this is my day to be a hot shot reporter. How sweet it is. Newsflash. Principal belted by angry mom. And Corby asks Zodi to stop it. But out in the hall, they hear, yes, an angry mom slapping the principal for giving her daughter a bad grade. Now everyone's starting to ask, how does Zodi know what's going to happen? But Zodi says, I'm tuned in on the universe. My computer doesn't bother with coincidences, whatever that means. Then Zodi says that a bomb is endangering the area. Sharon asks where the bomb is. And Zodi says, Supplies pilfered from chemistry department have been assembled into a devastating bomb. Somewhere in the halls of Tinker High School. In the walls? That's right, the walls. Apparently, according to Zodi, mice have inadvertently put the bomb in the walls. But then he gets distracted and says that now he's going to teach the creative dance class. And getting him back on the subject is not easy. The principal is getting more and more worried about being replaced by this robot because it's only a matter of time before the robot thinks, yes, I would be a better principal than you. But Randy remembers that all he has to do is take the helmet off the robot and it powers off again. But they have to get back to finding the bomb. So Randy replaces the helmet, goes to see Professor Ipso Facto again, and recharges the helmet with the power of the horoscope. Returning to school, Zodi says that the explosion is going to happen in exactly five minutes if we don't find that bomb. He tells Randy to pull the fire alarm so that the school gets evacuated and he'll find the bomb. After having to convince the principal that this isn't a prank, the evacuation begins while Zodi continues to search for the bomb. Finally, he looks in an air duct where he finds some mice and all the parts for the bomb. He runs out of the school, carrying it, and throws it down a manhole. The bomb explodes, and everyone from the school is looking on in horror because they think that Zodi may have been destroyed. But he's just landed in the basketball hoop, and he seems to be reasonably okay. Although he does say, I may have a screw loose, kind of blue, my cool. And all the teachers and the principal and the professor are telling him, Come back, you can teach any class you want in our school. And then the story ends with 
Sharon, Randy, and Zodi in a boat. Randy and Sharon are, are paddling, and Zodi is playing a guitar and singing Row, Row, Robot Boat, gently down the stream. And that's the end of the story. And boy, is it silly. But of course, this is a comic aimed at 10-year-olds, 12-year-olds maybe. The cover of this one issue is split down the middle, orange on one side and blue on the other, with Zodi walking into the orange side under the sun, carrying an umbrella and holding a sign that says, Zodi's weather prediction, 50% rain, 50% shine. On the blue side of the cover are Sharon and Randy walking in the rain, because Zodi's umbrella only seems to have covering on his side of the cover. And at the bottom there's a caption that says, He's an astrological terrestrial phenomenon, doing his thing right here on terra firma. It's got all the great gold key features. I never read that many gold key comics, but I did read a few. And they had games, puzzles, jokes sent in by readers, drawings of monsters sent in by readers. They also had their own version of the Marvel bullpen page, Gold Key Comics Club News, where they had a list of all the comics coming up next month and a little snippets about what's going to happen in each comic and rules for sending in, you know, your drawings and your jokes. And as we look down the list of the comics that are coming next month, it's Mike, everything from Mickey Mouse and Daffy Duck and Bugs Bunny to The Modniks, that ran for two issues, Fun In, which was sort of like a Marvel Spotlight series, but all Hanna-Barbera, Baby Snoots, Super Goof, Bonanza, Dark Shadows, Boris Karloff's Tales of Mystery, and The Governor and J.J., which was a TV series that ran for one season in, the, in 1970. So there you have it, the super obscure Zodi the Mod Rob. Could it be any better? I don't think so. Thanks for listening to One Shot Wonders. I'll be back next week with another One Shot comic. Meanwhile, hit the subscribe button, leave me a review, tell your friends, and go buy some comics.